listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey, this is Ryan and Seth here with Lead Defend Podcast, and we are excited to be with Mary Jo Sharp. Mary Jo, would you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm an assistant professor of apologetics at Houston Baptist University, and I also am the founder and director of Confident Christianity Apologetics Ministry. And the author of a new book. Yeah, I've got a book that came out with Zondervan just in November called Why I Still Believe, and it's got a nice long subtitle I'll give you, A Former Atheist Reckoning with the Bad Reputation Christians Give a Good God. And you are the former atheist. I am the former atheist. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So so what, incl- what, what made you put that in the title, saying this is who I was and this is kind of where I am? A publisher. Well, it was the yeah. you know we 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 messed around with different titles and different ideas. I actually wanted to call the book uh, "Useful Friction," but they were like nobody knows what that is. So I was like, well, they know Pulp Fiction, right? But I uh, so I put it in there to help them understand uh, what the book was going to be about. That it's actually treating the issue of hypocrisy in the church because that is a rising objection uh, to belief in God. Mm-hmm. And I've seen what several people have said about the book. And they said, hey, listen, I love it because it's just conversational in manner. And so say, hey, it's, she's not forcing anything on me. People just talk about it. And, and, and they really love that about it. So uh, check out the book for sure. And, and it, so as we dive in, I want to talk just a little bit about, about your book and some things. Your husband's name's Roger, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, her husband was a youth pastor. And, and I was a youth pastor. And uh, now I work with youth pastors, so I mean, my world got weird. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Uh, they experienced a lot of hurt in the church, and that's what drove. So before you were an atheist, and then became, you know, a, a, an avid defender of the faith. Now you were in the church. Oh, that's actually backwards. Yeah. Okay, so I was okay. atheist okay. first, and I was oh. raised that way, and then I got into the church. I read her book really well. <laughs> No, I think you did good there. It's all right. Um, So, yeah, I was atheist first because that's how I was raised. And then I get into the church, and then I see what's going on in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And then I begin to doubt my faith. But then then it was solidified after that. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Not solidified in her her faith, but solidified in her, like, confidence. Yeah, I was solidified in that what I believed was true. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so tell us, Mary Jo, because recently we've heard a lot of deconversion stories. Folks who once it seemed had this vibrant faith and now are walking away from it and and telling that story in a very public manner. But that's not your story. So why is that not your story? Right. Well, one of the things I don't share with a lot of these deconversion stories is I don't share a Christian upbringing. So I wasn't like, you know, born and raised in the evangelical church and wherever you're from. Um, I I was raised in a very different home where we didn't Mm. go to church. And I'm in a part of the country that is not very culturally Christian. So my my upbringing was steeped with the love of nature and the arts and sciences. My dad was a huge Carl Sagan fan. You guys may not know who that is, but he was an atheist science popularizer back in the 70s, and he wrote Cosmos, which has hugely influenced us today. So um, dad loved him, loved taking me to anything that was arts-related, and he he taught me a love of the beauty of the earth and the universe, Um, and he taught me to love our search for truth. And so those are the kinds of things I was raised with, though it was completely void of a Christian uh, background, yeah. And so how did growing up with that atheist background 
all of a sudden you are introduced to the gospel, or did you kind of grow up with this undertone of the gospel around you? Oh, so no undertone. I'm from Portland, Oregon. There's no undertone there of the gospel. (laughs) I mean, there are Christians up there, but that's not the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened was that I had a high school band director. I'm a band kid. I actually taught music in the public schools for eight years. And uh, my high school band director was a Christian who hadn't publicly shared his faith with anyone before. And he took a risk with me. Um, And he wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. And actually, he tells me, that after he witnessed to me, my response was not good. <laughs> I wasn't like, I didn't say anything mean to him, but he was worried. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my gosh, what have I done? So uh, he gave me a Bible and he said, when you go off to college, you're going to have hard questions. I hope you'll turn to this. Wow. So I began to read the Bible. Through and, college? Uh, actually before. I started reading the Bible while I was still a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And it started to make sense of some of the things I saw in the world, the uh, goodness and the truth and the beauty that I was seeing. Um, So it made sense of these things. And then I went off to college and I was like, wow, I'm going away to college. I can be whatever I want. I can explore. And so I started going to church on my own. So I'm like the opposite story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's kind of where I started searching. Okay, you started to go to church and you became involved and became a Christian down the line. Mm -hmm. But at some point, um, things kind of derailed. The church injured you in a bad way. Is injured the, the best way to say it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the best, but it is okay. a good, it's a way to say it. The yeah. point is caught. The point yes, is caught. yes. Yes. There's injury. Yeah. There's hurt and pain. Um, so yeah, my, yeah, it started from the very first day I, I was a brand new believer and I'm going to the church to profess, uh, to tell the church, you know, Hey, I've become a believer and get baptized and, you know, join the church. And from that very first day, as I'm walking in, the pastor's wife looks me over and says, the first thing she says to me is, Oh honey, we need to get you better clothes. Mm. That's the very first thing I'm greeted with. And so not only that, I mean, that's one, oh, you know, you might say, well, that was just a one-off. She made a bad choice. But that is indicative of the kinds of behaviors I saw over and over, judgmentalism, you know, um, and hypocrisy of the believers where we get, my husband and I get involved in youth ministry <laughs> later on because we're both education majors. And so I did join the church that day. I kind of skipped that. But um, so we get involved with the church and... Then we get into youth ministry, and it was in ministry where I began to see the real ugly in the church, um, the real consistency of vices in people's lives where they weren't even trying or making an attempt to wow. live like what they professed was true, and that's what really threw me because coming into the church, I thought I would find all these people who were seeking goodness, truth, and beauty mm-hmm. and trying to live that out in their lives in accordance with what I was, you know, with what I was reading in the New Testament. And then when I got in the church— and I found just a bunch of regular people who had all the same problems as other people, I was really thrown for a loop. Hmm. Yeah, and and that is the state uh, that, like 10 minutes ago, I was trying to get at, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but that is the state where we find so many young people today. So many of our listeners are there. They've been hurt, or they've seen their parents hurt at church, or in some form or fashion, they've been hurt by a Christian. and And they take that... And they carry it to an extreme because that's what we do. We take whatever happens to us in life to extremes. Yeah. So you've, you've written about that in your book. Uh, and and would, you, would you share about that? Yeah. So I had gotten to a point where I um, was very disappointed with Christians and I began to distrust them. I began to distrust, distrust that they actually believed 
in God. And that caused distrust. It transferred like over to distrust in God. So I started to say, well, why, why do I say I believe in God? How do mm. I know he's real? Um, those kinds of things. And I came to a point, and I don't even know back then I would have framed it this way. Um, my young mind, I probably would have just been like, oh, these Christians. Uh, but I think I came to a point um, in which my desire to walk away was pretty equal with my desire to maybe stay because my husband was yeah. a youth minister. So I had a lot of, um, I was very conflicted in in my desires. And I think that's one of the things that's really important in the search for truth is that you consider you you don't, you're not going under this like objective light where you can just pull away from your experiences and then look at Christianity objectively. You've got things going on in your mind. You've got desires. You've got hurt. You've got pain from being involved with, well, people yeah. because mm -hmm. people are messy. And so when you're trying to figure out what's true, you got to check like, well, do I even want it to be true? Um, and that was one thing that I, like I was saying, I'm not sure I knew that that's what was going on, that yeah. maybe I didn't even desire for it to be true because I had found that my atheist friends growing up were actually better people in my estimation. Wow. So yeah. uh, I had an impetus for walking away, Yeah. but then I also didn't want to look like um, I'd been duped into believing something like, mm. yeah, I got yeah. brainwashed and you know, now I'm coming back with my tail tucked and yeah. sorry, you know? So there are a lot of different warring desires um, yeah. in this search for truth. So, so you found, found yourself in that tension of, hey, listen, I've been hurt. And, but, but then I believe something and man, but these people are testing my belief. And so how did you find resolution to that tension? Yeah, that was a long path. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're say, talking about many, many years. Yeah. Here, yeah. But, and, but yeah, it was, um, it was sort of the realization that the hypocrisy of the believers couldn't be the litmus test for the truth of Christianity. Wow. Uh, it can't be the litmus test for the truth of any worldview. Mm. So I needed to get to, um, what was true. And I started asking the questions, how do I know God exists? Why do I see Jesus rose from the dead? Can I trust the Bible? And looking for any answers I could find to those questions, and then looking for the refutations of those answers. You know, so what are they? Okay, yeah. that's nice that Christians say that. What do the atheists say in response to that? So I was listening to debates and things like that, um, because I wanted to, you know, I really wanted to find out, do I think this is true? And does it best explain the human experience? Mm. What, what do you think inspires certain people, and, and I say, do you think you've experienced many of these thoughts, to walk away from the faith? Like, so some of these people in high-profile positions that we've seen making public, what inspires that? Yeah. And it might yeah. be different in, every, in everybody's <laughs> life. I know. What does inspire that? I know. Yeah, so for me, I'm so conflicted about talking about this because, yeah. for one, I can't see into their minds. So I'm only right. getting what they're telling me in public. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and then what I'm seeing in the public light is troubling because what they're telling me is I'm walking away from Christianity because of X. So they'll name things, you know, like I read these apologetics books or whatever, and that doesn't seem to make sense, but they're not telling me. And I looked into atheism and it seems to make the most sense of my human experience. And so I'm going to walk into atheism because when I'm looking at atheism, I don't think it makes the best sense. I think it's not philosophically robust enough wow. yeah. to explain my experience. Yeah. And yet people are just, wandering into it because they say, Christ, they, you know, Christianity can't be true, so I'm going to go into this, but they don't explain their atheism yeah. or look at it very well, Mary deeply. Jo, I think you've put it in a way that I've really not comprehended, maybe until this moment, is that to walk away from Christianity means that you're walking into something else. Yeah. Um, 
And a lot of times there's not some void yeah. in the middle. <laughs> people don't know? give clarity on what they're walking into and yeah. th- this offers better solutions. Right. And that was what I think, you know, for the listeners out there, if you are considering walking away from Christianity, you really do need to do a, a robust investigation of atheism. Do you actually believe hmm. the tenets of atheism? Are you actually committed to that? Because one of the things I see is that, or I suspect, is that some of these deconversion stories, they're dragging their Christian ethics and their Christian concepts of good and evil, right and wrong. Uh, they're dragging these sorts of things into their atheism. Wow. But those are fundamentally Christian views, you know, that they're bringing with them. Hmm. So, so what is the danger of having it both ways? Because that's what a lot of these people are saying, that I, I kind of want to have it both ways. I want to be an atheist, but continue to hold these Christian morals and Christian ethics. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting because one of the things about um, the more vocal atheists is that they believe because of reason and evidence. And yet, so you believe your atheism because of reason and evidence, but you're smuggling in Christian views into your worldview to support your ethics. Mm. So what does that say about your reason and evidence, right? I think there's a conflict. I think... Sometimes people just aren't going far enough in their investigation mm-hmm. on beliefs. They yeah. go to a certain point, it, okay, that sounds good, stop. So continue on, go further. Yeah, that's a good word. Okay, um, so when, what kind of starts people down this path was, was pain and hurt, but, but many times believers face doubts, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and doubts are something... That, that we've, in your book, you said, enemies of the faith. We think of doubts are enemies of the faith, but that's not, that's not what doubt is. I want, yeah. I want our, our students, our listeners, to hear about doubts while walking through our faith um, because many of them have doubts Yeah. Uh, because they're not hearing sound arguments and reasoning probably from their churches or, or, or things, and, and we hope that, that one day they will. But, but in that... Um, Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about doubt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's the troubling thing about the church is that she treats, the, that's why I say in my book, she treats doubt as if, as if it's an enemy. And yet mm. you've got some prominent doubters in the Bible who are, you know, strong yeah. people of God, like Jesus's father, Joseph, you know, like he has doubts. Um, he's not just going to willy nilly accept that his wife is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> pregnant, yeah. I was like, Immaculate conception, sorry. Oh, yeah. So they, I mean, he's not just going to accept that. Right. He needs some evidence. He needs mm-hmm. some verification. Um, and so I think we forget how very human these people are, that they yeah. have doubts. Uh, Thomas gets dinged for doubting Jesus, you know, but he says, unless you give me the evidence I want, I'll never believe. So uh, he does get in a little bit of trouble oh. of like, it has to be my way yeah. or the highway. Mm. Um, but so if churches would treat doubt more as a maturity process, um, as growing up. So in the book, I talk about how you know, I'm a young Christian. I hold to these beliefs because I trust in people. I trust the authorities that are there in the church. Mm. But just like when I'm a child, I trust my parents, you know, just do because they're the authorities in my life. But as I get older, I begin to question my parents. You know, we all lament that as our kids get to teenagers, they, they start to question them and it cause them all sorts of trouble. But that's just a part of growing up. Mm. And you should do that. You should question your authorities. So the same thing is true in the church. Um, we should question what we're hearing. We should question the authorities placed in our life to see if what they're saying is true. And, and the Apostle Paul's an advocate of that. That's what he, he, he uh, praises the Bereans because after they heard him speak, they went and checked it out, mm. right, to see if it was true. And that's, so he encourages that. And so what are some resources for 
young adults, students to, to find and seek out truth for themselves? Oh, it's, that's the great thing about living today in the social media world is there is so much, and it's great. Um, so Stand to Reason Ministries has a good website where you can go, and they actually have a – they focus on youth in mm-hmm. one part of it. Um, you can go to my website, maryjosharp.com, and click on my resources page, and you can go as deep as you want. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, another website that I like is bethinking.org, and the reason I like them is it asks you a question when you get there. What are you thinking about? So you can type that in, like I'm thinking about evil or I'm thinking about, you know, whatever. And then you'll get a list that'll pop up, not a list, but it'll a whole bunch of things will pop up that say they're either articles, videos, audio files, what do you want? And then it'll rate them as beginner, intermediate, or advanced, which is awesome because then if you're not in the advanced, you know, you can go in at the beginner oh, level and work your way that's up. That's what scares so many people away from apologetics Yeah, is, is you get into arguments that, that they aren't ready to hear because they haven't thought through 101. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's so why I that's recommend great. those guys because yeah. they do that's classify it in those categories. Yeah. yeah. So you work with college students. Um, mm-hmm. you're, they're in Houston, working at Houston Baptist. If you had a word to give, uh, one of the things that's impressed me about you just today is that there have been a ton of people coming up to talk to you one-on-one based on lectures you've given, yeah. and you've taken time and given insight into them. If you could give a blanket word of encouragement to college students, young adults, what would it be at this phase of their life in the cultural setting that they find themselves in? (laughs) A blanket word. I would tell them it's tough. Um, You get so much being thrown at you. You're you're living in a time when there is more access to more knowledge than ever before. Hmm. And I once heard um, one of the Robbie Zacharias team members say, you know, knowledge can be painful because, Hmm. you know, the more you know, sometimes the more you wish you didn't. Wow. Um, because you're responsible for it. So now you know what's going on in the world. Now you know all the things that are going on, and, and it's hard to process all that. It's hard to see that, mm. the amount of evil that we experience, and the pain and suffering across the world. So I think um, give yourself some grace because mm. you're dealing with a lot. And if you're struggling with these hard issues, God does not look at you like, wow, you just need more faith. He looks at you like, yeah, that's the kind of thing you are. You're human, and you don't have all the knowledge, and it's okay to struggle. Mm. That's a good word. So in light of those things, do you have more hope for the generations to come? Or are you sitting there shaking your head saying, man, it's about to get real tough. Like we have a hard road ahead. That's such a rough question. Thanks, Grandpa. I'm sorry. Thanks, Grandpa. Well, those are the things that my grandparents are saying. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm messing uh, Maybe I've watched too much... Uh, too much conservative news lately. I ah. know. Well, then, if you're watching too much news, I would say you need to click in, you know, click in. Oh, my gosh. What was it? I think you had the VCR you need to put in. That's old. <laughs> so you need to put in the uh, Chronicles of Narnia and watch The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because though it seems yeah. like eternal winter where there's no Christmas, it's not true. Aslan's on the move. And, mm. you know, so springtime is coming um, and it, wow. it, it will come. Because right, God's in control. So no matter what happens, mm. even if it goes to complete winter with no Christmas, right? Um, it will, it, it doesn't, God's still in control. So, Mary Jo, how long have you been teaching at, at the college level? Seven. seven years. Seven years. Okay. In the seven years, have you seen a, a change even in that short time? Have you seen a change in, in the interest in apologetics among students? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I wrote the book, Why Do You Believe That?, which was a Bible study I did with LifeWay in 2012. 
And now it's seven years later mm-hmm. and people are still like, oh my gosh, this found. is so amazing. <laughs> Look what I found. Like, this is wow. awesome. This is so relevant to right exactly now. And I'm like, wow, I wrote that way back when. But I, I, the rise in the interest of apologetics, I think, goes along you know, with the rise of secularism of the culture. And so yeah. um, people are like, yeah, now I can't just say, well, the Bible says it and I believe it and that settles it. And we haven't been able to say that for a while, but I think but we've we still, still said, said it. it. I think now you're starting to see people really adamantly oppose that in the public realm like just keep that to yourself Christian and we're we're seeing a turn where the Christians are almost being viewed as the bad guys now Mm. so I think as that happens um, we do need to uh, we we will see the rise of apologetics and you will see Christians saying hey actually no Christianity has been a force for good in the world so things like that so in light of that what what is your word to the church today (laughs) any word I want to give her any word you want to give the church (laughs) Oh, you know that she is still the primary instrument of uh, God's work on the earth. So recognize that. And, and, you know, when you fail, admit it. You failed. Um, People, the the generations that are up and coming, they value authenticity. And I know people don't like to hear that. It's become like a, a, a bad word, the A word, authenticity. But that's what they value because they've seen so much pretense and hypocrisy and, you know, trying to cover up the real life that's going on, the real struggles. So the church needs to be better at saying, yeah, we, we're all struggling. We are all struggling. <laughs> Not one of us has got it. Uh, and, that, and by the way, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross, right? Um, he didn't die for a bunch of good people who just needed a good friend to do something nice for him. He died because of what we are and who we are. So the church needs to be a little bit better about communicating her struggles with, to the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so, so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at Lead Defend 2020. Uh, If you're listening and you didn't get a chance to make it, make sure you put on your calendar Lead Defend 2021. You can get more information on that at leaddefend.org. And Mary Jo, what was your your website again? Ah, it's my name, maryjosharp.com. And so you search out Mary Jo Sharp. Maybe you have a friend who just needs more information about the things that we talked about, and that would be the place to find it. Thank you. Yep. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.